Hello, and welcome to Potternot, a podcast for those with conflicted Harry Potter feelings and those who have absorbed Harry Potter through cultural osmosis and want to dive into the good and the bad. I'm Adela, my pronouns are she, her, and I am a jaded fan. I'm Zoe, she, her, a jaded fan. I am E, my pronouns are she, they, and I am probably also a jaded fan (laughs) at this point. I skipped becoming a fan and went straight to jaded. (laughs) You know what? Valid. Yeah, fair. (laughs) That's how this year has gone. So this week we read uh, chapter 17, Cat, Rat, and Dog, chapter 18, Mooney, Wormtail, Padfoot, and Prongs, and chapter 19, The Servant of Lord Voldemort. Which is really, these three chapters are one extended scene. Mm -hmm. Like there is no break to cut away to anything else. Three scenes with small uh, like reveals at the end of each one that explain why the chapters are broken up, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I just noticed, I didn't um, notice when I was reading through them because I was just reading the section, but chapter 18 is very short. Chapter 18 is real short. It's four pages. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, um, a lot happening, but boy. Um, I just put the image of is that okay. a wolf or a dog? I don't know. I think it's a. I feel like it's supposed to be serious, but it looks like given a wolf, the context. So I feel like yeah. It's open. Yeah. Given the context um, of mm. this chapter, it feels like it should be serious. So when we post this episode, we'll post this image. Tell us whether you think it's Lupin or serious, because <laughs> <laughs> we don't. Well, know. it's not. I don't know if it's because of the art style, but wouldn't serious be darker in color? Yeah, this also has the, like, wolf muzzle coloring, yeah. um, which makes me think that it's Lupin, but it would make more sense for that to not be Lupin based on yeah. the color, so. We yeah, seen him transformed. All right, let's, uh, we have some. There's a lot of reveals. There's a lot of reveals, some background on how we work. We have a little uh, rundown of, of what we want to chat about. Should we start at the top, or do we want to go topic by topic? I feel like we should do a brief just like overview of what happens in these three chapters in case anyone is not reading along. Okay, so so E's predictions count. I was correct <laughs> that a rat was a person. You were. Did you know that Scabbers was Peter Pettigrew? I think, I don't know if I could have told you that name offhand before reading this book. But since I knew about Peter Pettigrew from hearing that name in the book, I think yeah. I would have been able to connect that. Let's see what else. I did not know that the black dog was serious. You didn't. I hadn't put that specifically together. It makes sense. Yeah. Serious. <laughs> Another had, name. Yeah. Another good I had, name. I had serious. The dog an, constellation. Serious black. <laughs> I had been going much more with the dog as an omen. Mm. Reading where it may or may not have been an actual animal, which is how Harry sees it until he learns. Yeah. Although he does start to question it when he sees it interacting with Crookshanks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the the thing with Crookshanks surprised me. I Crookshanks is a very smart cat. Crookshanks is a very smart cat. Crookshanks is part Neasel. What? Is this there a Pottermore a, page um... about this that I didn't know about? Yeah, there's a Crookshanks page. Oh, why did we never read that? Deserting. Uh, it might not exist anymore, but it was on uh, Pottermore. I don't know if it's on hmm. uh, Unsung Heroes, Influential Cats. I don't know. 
Um, <laughs> it doesn't appear to exist anymore on Wizarding World. Okay, but, so you'll have to tell us from memory. <laughs> um, Crookshanks is part Neasel, K-N-E-A-Z-L-E. Yes, here we go. Oh, yes. Neasels are known to crossbred with domestic cats. The Neasel is in it. This is from the Wizarding Word page. Uh, Unsung Heroes, Crookshanks. Uh, and we'll put this in the show notes. The Neasel is intelligent, independent, and occasionally aggressive, though it t- if it takes a liking to a witch or wizard, it makes an excellent pet. The Neasel has an uncanny ability to detect unsavory or suspicious characters and can be relied upon to guide its owner to safe- safely home if they are lost, which is from uh. Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Huh. Um, and then Crookshanks always knew when people were up to no good, uh, even if they were only planning to cheat on their homework. Plus, he made sure to guide Hermione and her friends safely through the Shaking Shrieking Shack. Very Neasel-like indeed. Um, this mm-hmm. page has some spoilers on it, so E, don't click on it, but I'm just yeah. going to put it in the... In the in the text, um, Sirius says that Crookshanks, like, clocked uh, Scabbers as being not, a, not just a rat right away mm-hmm. and makes Crookshanks sound like human-like intelligence yes yeah that's what i was thinking not just the intelligence of an animal who knows when something is wrong yes which is very interesting so these are three chapters of exposition through conversation and arguments between Sirius, lupin harry ron and hermione mostly Snape shows Snape up at one point, for a and, then, and then, <laughs> and then uh, Peter Pettigrew at the end or towards the end. Yeah, I'm surprised by how much of this stuff I knew through osmosis. Interesting. This is not the book that I would have assumed for that, but I guess I don't know if it's just because the types of Tumblr circles I was in had so much Marauders content <laughs> that I was like, yeah, half seeing. Like I knew who wrote the map. I hadn't put together that the nicknames were related to their animal forms. Did not know that uh, James Potter had an animal form, but that makes sense. Does Do they actually say it in these chapters? They don't. They dance around but he it. he was a stag. No, Harry yeah. is about to ask, and something else happens. Something happens so that they don't say it, which they also avoid saying Harry's Patronus. I don't know why this is a secret. I don't know why it's a secret either, but I I think I really like the reveal. Yeah. Sure. It's probably probably coming up. When you up. get to that moment, it makes for a really great moment. Um, and I knew that Snape had a rivalry with, yeah, Harry's dad, James. So... The fandom thing that I want to talk about in this chapter, um, in this chapter chunk, is uh, the very, very common writing of and shipping of Sirius and yes. Lupin. Yep. Um, yep. 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 <laughs> I have never been into Marauders content. That's not really my fanfiction jam. I pretty much only read Harry Draco. Um, <laughs> but I know that this is, and it has come up in some of the Harry Draco fics I've read, actually. But this is a really, really important and common pairing. Yeah. Um, and the Marauders in general have a really big fandom presence and fan fiction presence um that i just don't know as much about yeah i only know about it from tumblr but there's definitely a lot of marauders tumblr posts that i like a lot i like a lot of headcanon about the marauders maybe this is a spoiler question but do we get more of black's like personality other than torture victim yes okay because i i would like to see that 
Yes. You absolutely do. By the end of his book, you do. Okay. Um, right. That's not a spoiler. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot more to him. Boy doesn't go to therapy, but I I literally have notes about that because we. I was like, <laughs> one of the things I wanted to talk about was Sirius's mental state in these chapters. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we definitely should. But I do think that it's important, his relationship with Lupin as an anchor point in these chapters and also in the fandom is really important. Yeah. Especially with the lack of actual LGBTQ content from the author. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially with the, once again, I want to mention that uh, Lupin being the only even reasonably okay example of the AIDS metaphor happening here. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, lycanthropy, uh, it breaks down completely if you look beyond him uh, in the rest of the books. It's it's so bad. But the AIDS metaphor also works with the sort of serious and Lupin relationships. There's a lot of yeah. uh, interesting content there that is fan-created, and I highly encourage people to go seek out some of the fantastic uh, Sirius Black and Lupin, Remus Lupin content. Including a lot of content about... Yeah, it's not a spoiler. It's a it's a headcanon thing. Um, just a lot of content about Sirius and Lupin, like AUs where Sirius and Lupin adopt Harry and raise him instead of him That's being raised good. by the Dursleys. So, I was just gonna say, I think this is one of the first like friendships between adults we've seen so yeah. far mm. in the series. Besides, yeah, it's like, like McGonagall and Hagrid and yeah. these two. Yeah, like everyone else is either on a professional niceness or active dislike. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I can see why it would be very easy to ship this because there is just, there is just no content. There is no content. Yeah. And I think that there are other adult friendships that you see later on that sort of help expand the world a little bit, but this being one of the first and also this being who these characters are and their childhood relationship as well. Um, yeah. it lends itself very strongly to to shipping them. Yeah. And I approve of the ship uh, just because I don't read Marauder stuff. I'm just not as interested in that aspect of the story. I but I do I do love me some some Remus and Sirius. Me too. It's good stuff. It is good stuff. Uh, may they all go to therapy. Yes. Uh, Speaking of which, uh, let's talk about Azkaban. Again. Let's talk about Azkaban. We're going to jump around in these chapters, which is why Adela gave the sort of overarching summary here. Um, on the American edition, where Sirius Black starts talking about his escape from Azkaban, um, that's uh, just after Snape shows up, and it starts really on page 362 in the American edition in chapter 19. It's discussed a little bit before that, but uh, this is sort of the bulk of it. So I would like to read, I'm trying to figure out which order to read it in, because I want to read the the um, paragraph about him escaping from Azkaban, and I also want to read the paragraph we read about Hagrid, like, several episodes ago, um, and then just talk about that in general, um, because they, I don't think that they uh, make sense if they are both true. Mm. Um, okay. Yeah, middle of page 272 on the British edition. Yeah, I, I've got it. I just yeah. don't know whether I should read that or the Hagrid one first. Um, uh, read the Hagrid one first. first. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll read No, I'll read the serious one first because that's like what we're focusing on right now. And then I'll just say why I think that the other one doesn't make sense or one of them doesn't make sense. Uh, Hermione asks... <laughs> very politely, how Sirius go- could have gotten out of Azkaban if he didn't use dark magic. 
I don't know how I did it, he said slowly. I think the only reason I never lost my mind is that I knew I was innocent. That wasn't a happy thought, so the Dementors couldn't suck it out of me. But it kept me sane and knowing who I am. Helped me keep my powers, so when it all became too much, I could transform in my cell, become a dog. Dementors can't see, you know. He swallowed. They, f- they feel their way towards people by sensing their emotions. They could tell that my feelings were less less human, less complex when I was a dog. But they thought, of course, that I was losing my mind like everyone else in there. So it didn't trouble them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, just a quick uh, editing note. Yours says they feel their way towards people by sensing their emotions. The American edition says they feel their way towards people by feeding off their emotions. That's huh. a, another weird and unnecessary edit. That's yeah. like a substantial. It also is, yeah. A very different meaning, yeah. Yeah. So just a interesting. interesting thing there. Anyway. So the thing I wanted to focus on there is I think the only reason I never lost my mind is that I knew I was innocent. Um, yeah. And that wasn't a happy thought, so the Dementors couldn't suck it out of me. Whereas when Hagrid talks about it, he's talking about his experience in Azkaban and he says, getting out of Azkaban was the best feeling in the world. Mind, the Dementors weren't keen on letting me go. And Hermione says, but you were innocent. And he says, think that matters to them? They don't care. As long as they've got a couple hundred humans stuck there with them, uh, they can leech all the happiness out of them. They don't give a damn who's guilty and who's not. Which, like, yes, I know that that's how Dementors work. But Mm -hmm. since Hagrid was was innocent and knew he was innocent, he shouldn't have been as affected by the Dementors if... I'm not sure that's true. For Hagrid, being innocent might have been a happy thought. Hmm. Like, I'm innocent, I could get out of here. That's true. Actually, you know what? That, because, especially because of how the way that Sirius talks throughout this chapter, thank you, you've, you've completely changed my mind immediately without <laughs> saying like half a sentence. Um, the way that Sirius talks throughout the, these chapters about how guilty he feels about his involvement in the Potter's death, even though he wasn't directly responsible he feels guilty so him being innocent is not a happy thought yeah he's innocent of killing peter he's not innocent of having of another friend dying because of him that makes sense the the implication is that he survived azkaban by being so thoroughly unhappy already Mm. before he went there that they just had no happiness to feed off of and then also having the like the goal of escaping and uh, no all that too but also like once he found out about peter Pettigrew being alive having that like goal i guess to help him yeah he says it wasn't a happy feeling it was an obsession but it gave me strength it cleared my mind and i think there that's actually an, an interesting and good distinction there between what is happiness and something that you are interested in and like, and something that you're obsessed with. Yeah. Because he says this almost of the exact same thing twice. He says, um, I knew I was innocent. That wasn't a happy thought. And then later he says, um, it wasn't a happy feeling. It was obsession. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, interesting. I have a side question. So he talks about being able to get out while he's transformed into his dog form because of the like lesser cognitive ability mm-hmm. in that form does the form you take as an animagus determine like your level of self-awareness in it like because we have 
um, Pettigrew having been a rat for 12 years, rats have, rats are smart, but they're not as smart as dogs. And that, that makes me wonder like if there's an imbalance there. Yeah, it does get talked about at some point. I feel like I remember it getting talked about um, being in the animagus form for too long. Like you can start to shift towards more of the animalistic like brain patterns and things. Um, I don't remember where I feel like it's in maybe partly in book four or maybe it's just something that I've like, (laughs) like thought about because of the way that like Peter Pettigrew behaves and the way that, I guess the way that he's depicted in the movie, which is very like, you were definitely a rat for 12 years. Mm. I don't know that that's canon. I can't remember something like that. Um, I think it's more that you process things as you, but through the filter of the animal that you are. Because McGonagall is still processing everything she is, she sees as a cat, Mm -hmm. just as a cat with cat senses. And um, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but I don't mind. There is a scene where Sirius as a dog is hurt and Harry reaches out. And at first Sirius snaps at him in the way that a dog would, but immediately understands what's happening. Like there is a, you're processing things through that filter, but still as you. Yeah. Um, It doesn't track because there are animals for whom the filter would not make any sense for a human brain. I just actually DM'd Adela. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I think that that's the idea that they're going for here. I don't think it is executed well as a concept. Yeah. All right. Well, anyways, sorry for that big tangent, but... I don't know. Okay, should we talk about this? No. Okay, good. (laughs) Should we acknowledge that we're not talking about it, or should we just not? Here's what I'll say. I know that there's going to be questions about Nagini. And for those of you who don't want to be spoiled about whatever the fuck is happening (laughs) in the sequels of this nonsense, you can just skip ahead 30 seconds. Apparently Nagini is some sort of snake woman. It's uh, an anime. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not canon. canon, And we're not going to talk about it. It's fake. The crimes of JKR. Yep. That's what we have to say on that. It's also (laughs) super racist and sexist and bad. So... We're just going to move right along. We don't want to talk about it. It's not real. Goodbye. It's not real. <laughs> but yeah, there's like some interesting, the idea that things can be unhappy but true is, is mm-hmm. what yeah. sort of carries you through. Yeah, X-Band. interesting. Um, cool. One more thought that I had on Azkaban, which is the very end of this chapter section, but I feel like it's worth bringing up while we're on that topic, is Harry deciding what to do with... Pettigrew Uh and the way that it's framed. So, so they have the whole like explanation. Uh, Each of the kids like turns around on, you know, believing Lupin and Sirius instead of whatever else. Uh, And Lupin and Sirius are like ready to execute Pettigrew right there, which is wild. But then Harry decides no, let's give him to the Dementors so they can send him to Azkaban. And that's framed in the text as mercy. It's also framed as him not wanting Lupin and Sirius to be murderers. Sure, yeah. I mean, I get that. I would not want... I don't... (laughs) To be clear, I don't think that execution on the spot was the correct choice. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's incredibly weird 
given everything that's been stated and implied about Azkaban to frame that as mercy. (laughs) This is a problem with the way that she's written these books. There is a spell called Stupefy Uh that if it had been introduced in book three instead of book four, we would not be having this conversation. They would not be having this conversation. They simply would have knocked out Peter Pettigrew and taken him to the court and been like, here's the guy you thought that this guy killed. And that would be that. But because she doles out spells. Exactly where she wants to put them. And not a minute before, you have the problem of this. There is also a spell to wake someone up from being stupefied. So for instance, they could have stupefied Peter Pettigrew and then woken up Snape with, I think it's Enervate. Yeah. And then, ta-da, Snape and Sirius still hate each other, but here's the proof. Yeah. But because she literally just doesn't bother to introduce this spell until book four, this is a massive plot hole and has always bothered me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, to be clear, they do tie him up. They could have just tied him up and brought him to like wizard court. They could have, but he can still transform. If he's knocked out, he can't. Ah, okay. I understand. Like, there's there's a safety issue I wonder. There, right? I wonder if Harry thinks that there will be a trial if they bring him back up to Hogwarts. Like, he said, he said, like, we'll give him to the Dementors and he'll go to Azkaban, but I wonder if he thinks that there's a trial in between there. He's probably not thinking, he's probably not, like, thinking that much through it. And it's probably just a case of, like, I feel like it's more of a case of, like, uh, just buying into the belief that prisons are useful and good. <laughs> I think it's buying into the belief that prisons are useful and good. Sure. I can understand that from Harry, but I, I, I'm not willing to forgive it for the narrative. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, I feel like it should have been made much more clear, especially given what, like, literally just this chapter you heard from Black and we've heard from Hagrid about how and we've heard from Lupin how absolutely awful Dementors are mm-hmm. and how, you know, horrible. Although that might not deter Harry at this point because he is very. Uh, right. But we should frame yes. that as vindictive in a bad way. Yes. Uh, I don't know. I just, I, I, I am really uncomfortable with that. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Yeah. That's, that's that on that. I don't know what ends up happening. There's three more chapters, but... <laughs> there are three more chapters. If it ends with Pettigrew and Azkaban, I'm going to be real salty. Okay. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, sorry, that was a weird response. Um, <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk a little bit, if you guys are okay with it, talk a little bit about Sirius's, Sirius Black's general state in these chapters yeah Yeah. right from the beginning and I've always like been a bit bothered by this probably after the first time I read it which is like why is Sirius so violent at the beginning like was it absolutely necessary to tear up Ron's arm and break his leg uh to do this and I know that it's like he is basically is just full of a lot of rage and probably not thinking clearly I basically feel like Sirius is painted very antagonistically at the beginning of these this chapter, obviously, because you're still supposed to think that he's the villain. But 
it feels like it doesn't fit with his later character unless he went to a lot of therapy, which he definitely did not. <laughs> I mean, I guess he's the the explanation would be that he's trying like incredibly violently to get at the rat. Yes. Which Ron is carrying. Yeah. And hurts Ron in the process. I think I can forgive that as like a how he would be thinking or not thinking, as the case may be. Like, I think that the way that, I think it makes sense for him to be behaving the way he is with how angry he is and also his experience over the past 12 years. Like, it makes sense. I just think that later there's not enough, like, explanation of how he got better. (laughs) So I I guess Mm -hmm. that's a thing to talk about later. But, I mean, they don't really deal with mental health at all in these books, so. (laughs) Yeah, they don't deal with any mental health in these books I do think that it is very much an aspect of, like, he is doing whatever he can mm-hmm. to get to Peter. I also think that he is under the assumption that if Harry and Hermione come after him, A, they're under the invisibility cloak, he doesn't know they're there. Yeah. And B, if anybody comes after them, him and Ron, um, he doesn't care. Like, his whole thing is, let's at least kill the person that I was sent to Azkaban for killing, yeah. and then I can go back there. Like, He's also I can die at, happy, that, basically. at that particular moment in dog form, mm-hmm. yeah. which doesn't help. This is pure speculation, but I can imagine that in that uh, trauma plus anger plus animal form mindset that there might be a bit of, like, Ron is the person who's been harboring Peter. Mm-hmm. For 12 years, which is not Ron's fault, but I can imagine a bit of like, well, I don't care what happens to him in collateral because he's been sheltering this, you know, enemy of mine would slip in there. Adela, you have to read this. I can't because he doesn't know the ending of the book yet. <laughs> I mean, it applies to the first part of the book also. Yeah, but. Oh, I see. Yeah, I see, I see. It doesn't. No, you can't. Sorry. <laughs> next, next one, next episode, Adela's going to read a very funny comment okay. that has to do with these chapters. Yeah. I mean, yeah. speaking of mental health, I mean, like, this is this is the Harry screams at people, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. There's a lot of yelling and a lot of hatred happening. I think it makes sense. Yes. Oh, yeah. It absolutely makes sense. There's just a lot. I was just, that was just a general comment. There is a lot. There is a lot. And like shifting, shifting hatred from person to person, sort of. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to hear your thoughts about, you wanted to talk about the three kids. Yeah, I think it's interesting that we see these sort of emotional and mental like journeys of all three of the kids throughout this extended scene. Like we, we get the, the little bits of them you know, first completely hating Sirius and disbelieving everything and then starting to question and then finally coming around on it at the end. I think it's interesting that Harry is so set and then is also, like, willing to listen to reason and change his mind Mm -hmm. by the end because, like, Harry has such strong emotional reactions. That's a very important part of his personality, yeah. He feels he so much he more than he thinks. I'm in a rage. <laughs> and yet, even for him, by the end, he's like, no, this makes sense. 
Whereas Hermione, like the minute Lupin turns teacher on her and starts like asking her to calm down and like figure things out, Hermione is immediately willing to incorporate the new information and think, you know, line up the facts that she knows with what she's being told. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> poor Ron. Uh, poor Ron <laughs> needs like- to be disgusted by the proof that his rat is actually a person. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I have a lot to say beyond that. It's just, I like that it's not just Harry's coming around on this that we see, that we actually, that the story takes the time to show all three of them. I loved Hermione's outburst. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because unlike Ron, she's not disgusted that Lupin is a werewolf. She's just aware of the stigma. Yeah. And she's, she like, the fact that, I think it's also the fact that it's a secret that she's like, you're keeping it a secret, therefore, it, like, you must be bad. <laughs> yeah. Right. She, I mean, she's also known about it for way longer than mm-hmm. Harry. Yeah. Potter. So if she had any. It's a great moment, actually. Where is that? Let's see. Um, in the American edition, it's page 345. Harry, don't trust him. He's been helping Black get into the castle. He wants you dead, too. He's a werewolf. So there is yeah. some stigma there, but it's a lot less than uh, Ron, who says, get away from me, werewolf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lupin asks Hermione, how long have you known? And she says, ages, since I did Professor Snape's essay. He'll be delighted, said Lupin coolly. He assigned that essay hoping someone would realize what my symptoms meant. Did you check the lunar chart or realize that I was always, and realize that I was always ill at the full moon? Or did you realize that the Bogart changed into the moon when it saw me? Both, Hermione said quietly. Lupin Mm -hmm. forced a laugh. And here's the very famous line. You're the cleverest wish of your age I've ever met, Hermione. Which they cut off in the movie, which is unfortunate. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm not, because I should have told everyone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, which like... That goes back to the stigma. Uh, if the metaphor is AIDS here, boy, it's an interesting. I don't know, just an interesting way to like use that as a threat. Yeah. You know, I'm going to out you. I have a. F- I mean, yeah. Yeah. Though I also have a feeling that the author didn't think that far through the metaphor <laughs> when writing the actual s- s- books. No. Probably no, not. and I I will also say when did this one come out? Nineteen ninety nine. Very very different time in the world of AIDS. When did she say that it was a metaphor? Like when? Did... I don't think she's ever said. Oh. I think she's maybe confirmed, but it was a fandom thing. Oh. Um, oh. AIDS werewolf Harry Potter. Uh oh, never mind. Never mind. She did say it. 2016. Um, Classic. Rowling, this is from the website goat.com.au. No idea how uh, reliable this is, and they have not cited their sources, so please take this with a big, big grain of salt. But back in 2016, Rowling dropped a book of Harry Potter trivia titled Short Stories from Hogwarts of Heroism, Hardship, and Dangerous Hobbies, and it contained a very interesting tidbit about how Remus Lupin, the series' token werewolf character, was meant to be a metaphor for the stigma faced by those suffering from diseases like HIV and AIDS. Lupin's condition of lycanthropy was a metaphor for those illnesses that carry a stigma like HIV and AIDS. This is a direct quote. All kinds of superstitious superstitions seem to surround bloodborne illnesses, probably due to taboos surrounding blood itself. The wizarding community is prone to hysteria and prejudice as a muggle one, and the character of Lupin gave me a chance to examine those attitudes. 
the reason why I asked mm -hmm. that is because I'm wondering if it's another retroactive like thing that oh, she sure. said about her writing. It is retroactive, but I do not think that it. I don't think this is a Dumbledore is gay moment. Like I think that this is this is something that she wrote into the books and Herbically. was confirming. Okay, not retroactive, from what I understand. So there is some thought put into it, what whatever whether it is good thought or not. There is some thought put into it. I would believe that it probably wasn't front of mind during these particular scenes. That's that's kind of what I was thinking is like that like yes maybe she had that she was planning to write him as a metaphor but didn't have it at the forefront of her mind every time he's in a scene. Wasn't specifically making the comparison of I will out you to your employer. Yeah. Which is and continues to be a very real threat. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that sucks. So that um, sucks. There's uh, the problem is there's not a lot as much to discuss here. Let's say, I mean, we've been talking for like forty five minutes, but there's not as much to discuss. I mean, we should talk about the We should talk about what was said. Yes, <laughs> like the story that was revealed. We should touch on Snape's appearance here. Yeah. Also, a friend of mine texted me. <laughs> And asked me something, and I, I should really bring it up here. I didn't bring it up last time, and the pure reason that I didn't bring it up is because I'm tired. But the descriptions of Snape and the image of Snape are also verging on anti-Semitism with the large hooked nose, the big nose, the big Roman nose in the illustration. It's bad. It's gross. I didn't bring it up last time yeah. because I'm tired, but it should be mentioned. Yeah. It's the same, the greasy hooked nose is what Snape is often described as having. I was too tired to bring it up last time. In any yeah, case, he's here again. Um, I don't remember if there's much of a physical bad. description here. No. There's no physical description here, but holy shit. Yeah. Um, he appears dramatically right after Lupin is finished, like, telling the backstory that involves him. Yeah. He also, I understand where the character is supposed to be coming from because these are uh -huh. the people who literally threatened his life when he was like 15, um, along with some other shit that you'll learn later. But like he is screaming at these children. Yeah. Uh, keep quiet. You stupid, stupid girl. Uh, silence. I will not be spoken to like that. Yeah, all caps, um, all caps screaming. Yeah, like it is real, real gross. He is literally just looking for an excuse to kill a childhood rival. Yeah. Literally kill. Like, death is the threat. Yeah, and he's framing it as in, like, well, Black is still is the villain, so I'm going to kill him. Um, be even though he probably at this point like, he's been standing on the landing listening. He probably at this point knows that there is some more to the story than that. But he's not willing to, mm -hmm. like, consider it because yeah. of his past grudge. I just want to, yeah, I just want to emphasize, and maybe this doesn't hit as hard once you've read the full series, but, like, this is the first time that magic that can kill, I think, has ever yeah. been, like, implied in the whole series so far like this is basically snape walks in with a gun is the is the um, weight and of... also with lupin and sirius being like we're gonna kill P peter Pettigrew at the end and also 
I wanted to mention Harry very like very in his head determined to kill Sirius at the beginning, even though he does not know the magic for killing, so he would not be able to. But like everyone here, everyone here is thinking about killing with yeah. magic. The only other mention of killing with magic is Voldemort. Yeah. Yeah. And and Peter who blows up twenty people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're muggles. <laughs> and also, um, that is described as blowing up, which like is not the same thing as using a spell to specifically kill. It's not a directed yeah. spell, yeah. Yeah. That, uh-huh. I mean, feels like, should be, way more, like, uh, traumatic to the three kids that are here. That suddenly everyone is, like, guns out threatening to kill. I feel like they're already in. There's already so much like into the situation that is like life threatening, and it has been since the beginning of the scene that it's probably not. I also, I also think that there is some leftover trauma once the book is yeah that you see, Mm -hmm. like the. I'm trying to remember the the end of book confrontations in the last two. There's Harry puts his hands on Quirrell's face and kills him. And there's uh, Snake Boy Ghost. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I guess I guess threat of death is not particularly. Yeah, this is old hat for Harry. It's just death by spell, like intentional spell casting, I which guess. would have been how Quirrell would have killed him if it had gone a different way, probably. But it wasn't as implied in that. I do also think that. Even knowing the rest of the series, and for those of you who have read the whole series, you will know what I'm talking about. Even knowing the rest of the series, the way that Snape is talking about his childhood rival is ridiculous. Mm. Um, like, father, like son, Potter, I'd have just saved your neck. You should be thanking me on bending me. You would be well served if he'd killed, if I, if he, you would have been well served if he killed you. You'd have died like your father, too arrogant to believe you might be mistaken in black. Now get out of the way, or I will make you. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck off. Yeah. Like, I understand why he's saying these things in the context of the books, and I already hate him so much, but this reread is just making me hate Snape. Yeah. So much. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I was thinking about, like, bringing up the fact that, like, hey, these three children just caused, like, head trauma that would probably do lasting damage to the brain. But you know what? He deserves it after yeah. that. <laughs> and also, he can be healed yeah. very easily. I'm sure that there isn't lasting Yeah, no, d- there is not. And he could be healed very easily But also. But, yeah. Um, but we should actually talk about the the content of what's happening here. So after they knock out Snape and basically Lupin is like, you can't just kill the rat. You have to explain what's happening here. Harry has, Harry deserves to know what yes. it is that we're saying. Which is smart on Lupin's part to like make the whole thing slow down so that the kids get it, that they can be walked through the story instead of having to like piece it together from angry adults. Very clearly a like um well-adjusted adult who has been teaching children for a year compared to an adult who has been living in a prison for 12 years who has been tortured for 12 years straight yeah um so uh black 
pulls out a piece of newspaper and this was foreshadowed way back at the beginning. Um, and I asked you to remember it and I'm positive that you don't. <laughs> no, I, I, I got it. When the picture showed up, I got it. Once it shows up, it's like, it's one of those, like when you're reading a mystery and you're like, oh yeah. Like, there's no way I could have gotten that as a clue, but I'm glad it was there. Exactly. So the image is all of the Weasleys in Egypt and Scabbers is pictured on Ron's shoulder, both paws out and he's missing a, a toe as a rat. Mm -hmm. And it's the same toe that is if he was a human, which doesn't make any sense because rats have <laughs> toes. Then. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, but we'll run with it. We'll run with it. He was missing a toe. The largest piece of Peter Pettigrew that was ever found was a finger and he cut it off himself. Yeah, because he wasn't exploded. Yeah, because he turned into a rat. Um, and so it's a 12-year-old rat. How did he live this long? He's a common garden rat. Um, we learned about Crookshanks being really smart. And then we learned sort of the, the deep, dark secret is that Sirius Black was the secret keeper. So we learned about this in the episode, episode, <laughs> in the first uh, chapter, chapter where they all first talk to me in chapter all the teachers sit down and it's exposition circle yep everybody hold hands and say something important um <laughs> anyway uh we learned about this before but Sirius Black was the secret keeper and everyone assumed that Sirius Black actually went and told Voldemort and that's how Lily and James died but what happened was Black started being followed and he was worried and so he went to Pettigrew and gave like handed over the secret for Pettigrew to keep and Peter Pettigrew is the one who gave up Lily and James and Sirius Black went to check on him and found that he was gone but there was no struggle and so it became clear that something bad had happened right. and by the time Sirius gets to Lily and James's house it's been destroyed and that's it's where already... he shows up yes mm -hmm. so Hagrid reveals this way back at the beginning is Sirius Black was there basically holding Harry He'd already like mm -hmm. gone and, and pulled Harry out of the wreckage yeah. um, with his motorcycle. And he hands Harry and the motorcycle to Hagrid and goes off to kill Peter Pettigrew and is arrested that night. Yeah. I don't know if it's worth getting into the logistics of secret keeping. You, don't we'll worry. talk about that more okay. later. <laughs> hold, your, hold your horses for book six. Okay. Because, ha hmm. He would have still known. Like, he knew how to get to the safe house. Okay, I'm okay with giving away this piece. Secret keepers are the only people who can divulge yeah. that information. You can know it, but you can't... You cannot reveal it unless you are the secret secret keeper, if there is that spell put on the place. Including bringing other people over. Okay, so the spell, the spell affects the location rather than the... Hmm. I don't understand. The spell it. affects the people. So the only person who can actually know and show are the people who live there and the secret keeper. Okay. But anybody who isn't a secret keeper, they would be physically and or mentally prevented from taking anyone or divulging the location of the place okay. that they are keeping secret. Okay. Okay. So the secret keeper spell actually affects a ton yes. of people. Good. Directly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that will come back later. Okay. For some reason, I thought it only affected the the designated keeper. Like a you can't. No, it affects basically everybody who could ever come into contact with that house. Mm -hmm. Like gotcha. muggles who are not the secret keeper who have lived across the street from this place for years will find that suddenly they don't remember it existing. Gotcha. 
Okay, that makes more sense. I was like, how can you just pass off the secret? <laughs> he still knows. That's a good question. That's mostly irre irrelevant. I just didn't understand. No, it's it's so. a it's a good question because it's something that also like you should keep in mind. Yeah. There okay. will be more secrets to be kept in the future. <laughs> That's right. All right. Yeah, I, the other thing, the, the, the big thing that I wanted to bring up here is um, I want to I wanna go back to the Harry Protects Pettigrew mm -hmm. thing real quick. Um, this is just going to be a very small thing that I'm just going to say is mm -hmm. it's not really a mercy. And you'll find out why. It should be viewed as such, but you should keep in mind. Yeah, I was going to say, it should still be viewed as such. It should still be viewed as such, but remember what Sirius Black heard about Peter Pettigrew and Azkaban. Mm -hmm. Is that everyone assumed he was a traitor. Yeah. And remember what Trelawney says. Mm -hmm. And remember the situation that they're in. Yeah is not dying a mercy? And the answer is both yes and no. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, to be clear, I my problem with this whole like bit here is that not dying, if the choices are execution or Azkaban. Neither of them is merciful. Neither of them is merciful and Azkaban might even be less. Could be worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to think through here. Um, don't forget this moment. I'm interested to continue this conversation after we finish the book. A little bit. Yeah, yes. I'm interested to see what there is three chapters worth of material <laughs> left to do. Oh boy. <laughs> um, and we're gonna we're gonna end this chapter with me being frustrated again. Why the fuck are you chaining up a person to two other people, one of whom has a broken yep. leg, just fucking stupefy his ass yeah. and drag him up to the castle? This yes. is real <laughs> dumb. This should not have manufactured conflict. Yes. Should not have allowed Ron to volunteer for that. He is a 13-year-old boy with a broken leg. In a yes. splint. Yep. Yes. You could have, if you needed to chain him to someone, it could have just been to one person. It didn't have to be to two people. And yeah. Also, that's way more complicated than just knocking him out. Yeah. Very true. Should we talk about the Marauders map? Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's. So we read the the Pottermore now Wizarding World page on the Marauders map, which I was forbidden from reading the last two sentences <laughs> of because spoilers. Yep. Um, it's not. They're not explicit spoilers, but they're vague spoilers for later. <laughs> they're vague spoilers. The big thing is that J.K.R. regrets inventing it. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's, it's like a, a plot hole machine. <laughs> I love the Marauders map, so. <laughs> I do too. It's a wiki entry. It's a wiki entry. I would like to personally express my my irritation with the homunculus charm. Yeah, I don't understand. Just a, it's just a misspelled version of the word homunculus. And homunculus is not what she's describing. It doesn't that spell mean does. that. Oh, but... But it's tiny person. <laughs> well, yes. And that's what the dots are. They're tiny people. That has horrifying implications. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can only ever picture homunculi as part of like medieval art. I can only um, ever yes. picture homunculi as a full metal alchemist. Homunculi. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going in all in very different directions here. <laughs> uh, the, the paragraph that we're talking about says um, the magic used in the map's creation is advanced and impressive. It includes the homunculus charm spelled homunculus with an O, um, uh, enabling the possessor of the map to track the movements of every person in the castle. And it was also enchanted, blah, blah, blah. Um, that, uh, the, the, it doesn't make sense for a charm that tracks people to be called a homunculus charm, unless it is that they are all tiny people on the map. <laughs> unless they're literally creating tiny people to put on the map. <laughs> Which is now my headcanon because it's like a tiny people tracker, right? Like it's a it's a it's a microcosm, <laughs> um, and so I actually think that the name of the charm is is charming. But uh, I understand why you're saying. But that. it implies that they're real. <laughs> it does imply that they're real. Um, the tiny people in the the tiny pictures on your phone are real people, actually. <laughs> the tiny pictures on your phone and inside your sperm are real humans that are just way shrunk down. Didn't you know that from? medieval science. <laughs> um, I hate all of this. This is, that's what, that's, that's the context I have for homunculi. Yeah. That's not no, the context I, you have for homunculi? <laughs> I, I understand that this is just the most cursed content we've ever produced. It really is. Um, it is a cool wiki entry. You do just get a little bits and pieces. It's not. It becomes clear how, like, kind of extraordinarily powerful these teenagers were. I know. Like they were yeah. they were very powerful because they they did they created the Marauders map and they also became animagi like without like without any instruction? instruction or supervision just So this is one of my favorite I'm not going to be able to find it. I'm not even going to try to search for it, but there's a great Tumblr post where somebody like found the I don't know Pottermore entry of like what the things you have to do to uh, become an animagi, and there's a kind of leaf that you have to stick under your tongue and keep it there for a month. Oh, I think I and saw this post. It's a very funny post where somebody was like, can you just imagine Sirius Black and James Potter just like having <laughs> a conversation with Professor McGonagall, and she can fucking see the leaves in their mouth, and she's just like, no, I'm just not gonna bother today. I, I'm not gonna get involved with that. Like, She's a non-amagus. Yeah. <laughs> she knows this process. She knows. Um, it's very fun. Tumblr post and fun to think about because it's so clear that people would have known. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a, I don't remember if it's this page or somewhere in the chapters that says there's like seven animagi. Do we know? Uh, we well, I don't think we ever them? know all seven of them. Actually, do we even know any of them besides McGonagall that are of the official one? At Hogwarts? When is No, there's seven total in like Britain that are there's registered. Like, at one point there's at seven one point Yeah. I think Hermione Hermione brings it up because she's like, I did research and there's only seven, so you can't be on that list. We know two of them by the end of the series. Two registered ones? Yeah. No. I think McGonagall right. is the only registered one that we ever know. I think you're right. Yeah. Good for her. <laughs> it's a difficult process, and surprisingly large numbers of people do it illegally. I'm trying to find this Tumblr post, and I'm coming across some just wonderful um, Marauders 
content. <laughs> I just love Marauder's content. It's great. It's good content. I've seen a lot of it. There's a couple of really good ones. It's um, it's a mandrake leaf, and there's I found a good one oh. that's about how clearly they would have had to do it for forever because they forget about the leaf and um. The Sirius forgets about the leaf and tries to whistle during a Quidditch game, and nobody's allowed to talk about the time when a random leaf came flying out of his mouth in front of the entire Hogwarts population. They <laughs> accidentally swallow it for the first thousand times. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, here it is. I found it! Found it! Nice! Good work. <laughs> it's, like, not that... I think, actually, my description was funnier, but in the 2014 additions to the UK Harry Potter books... Rowling says that part of the processes of becoming to become an animagus is to hold the leaf of a mandrake in your mouth for a whole month. Can you imagine these boys in Minerva McGonagall's classes for that month, hoping she doesn't notice? And then somebody <laughs> else says, now that you pointed that out, I'm 100% sure that Minerva knew about that. Oh, um, yeah. There's no way she didn't. Yeah. yeah. Especially then, if there's other, like, complicated things involved in, like, becoming an animagus. Do we know what house? Magus. Were they all Gryffindors? Yes. Yeah. Then, like, doubly so. Yeah. Yep. Peter Pettigrew is the first, um, like, official in in the book uh, proof that you don't have to be in Slytherin to be evil. <laughs> True. There's some spoilers at the bottom of this post, but it's very funny. Anyway, I put it in the show notes. I put it in our Discord, and I'll put it. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, I want to shout out. The uh, one of the middle paragraphs of this page that says, although the precise circumstances surrounding the loss of the Marauder's Map is not given in the Harry Potter novels, I will give it here. And then she proceeds to just exactly <laughs> say what she thinks happened to it. Which yeah, is very funny. <laughs> it's like a wiki. It's like a wiki entry that you can tell who wrote it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, all right, all right, buddy. <laughs> Um, so we're coming to the end of this book. Uh, we sure have are. one more chapter chunk to go. It's chapters 20, 21, 22. The Dementors kiss Hermione's secret and owl post again. Yeah. This, the next three chapters, I've, I think I've said this like the last three episodes, but the next three chapters are going to be really fun. Um, there's also some parts of them not fun, but like... <laughs> I feel like, so these three chapters we read today were, was one scene dragged out over three chapters, which had a lot of exposition and et cetera, but it was all like very like one topic happening. And the next three chapters, which are also pretty short, there is a lot that actually happens in them, not just a lot of conversation. There is a lot of action. So. Yeah, it's, it's a really it's like, it goes, it basically just goes wild. Like, after this, you think from the end of this chapter, like, oh, we're just going to go into the end now. Like, this is the finale. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, shit's about to go down, which I think I also said before this episode. <laughs> also, um, just a reminder, uh, I had somebody reach out to apologize for not listening to our podcast because of the shit going down with JKR. They felt like it was too much. You don't have to apologize. No, do what yeah, you that's to do. a yeah. very reasonable response. Mm -hmm. We I, also had that conversation off air. Like, this is, yeah, we, this is difficult we times, folks. have delayed multiple recordings, like, earlier this year because of 
like we could not bring ourselves to talk about this series. So please take care of yourselves and know that we are also struggling with it. And um, you are not under any obligation to listen, even if you're one of my friends. <laughs> yeah. Same goes for me. <laughs> yeah. And, and same for me. Like, yeah. I think that's just an important note. Um, just because uh, shit's real right now. Shit's been real for a long time, but shit feels extra real right now. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, any last thoughts? Um, any last pre- predictions? Oh, yeah. E, predictions for oh, the last. <laughs> After having us having just told you how that it goes wild, what do you think happens next? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh... Well, we haven't wrapped up Hermione's time travel thing, and there is a chapter named after her, so that's going to happen. I don't know what consequences that will have, like, on the plot in general. Um, that feels like... I don't know I don't know why that's... Like, it's same with the Hagrid and Buckbeak thing. Like, I don't know what that is doing in this book yet. I don't know if it's just a side thing that is there to cause additional stress or if it's actually tied in with this like um, Marauders and Azkaban and Harry's parents thing or if it's just a thing that Hermione's been stressed about. So I'm interested to see what that looks like when it ties up. No idea of of prediction stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Okay, so... Uh, I I have been Adela. <laughs> I've been Adela. You can find me on Twitter at Aredel, A-R-E-D-H-E-L underscore underscore. You can find me on Twitter at Zoe Topaz, Z-O-E-T-O-P-A-Z, and buy my book Ostentatious, The Evolving World of Jane Austen Fans, wherever books are sold. Uh, I've been E. You can find me on Twitter at C-E-L-1-0-E. And you can find the show on Twitter and Tumblr at Potternot. If you want to send us questions or comments, uh, make sure that spoiler, spoiler que- questions and comments go to our Tumblr and other ones can go to Twitter. Uh, our theme music is by the wonderful Morgan Jackson. You can find more of his music at wedidthetimewarpagain.bandcamp.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Yes, Thanks, everybody. Mm-hmm. We're almost done this book. Yeah, we are. We're so close. Should we say goodbye to Craig? What? Should we say goodbye to Craig? Uh, oh, Never. I... <laughs> Poor <Yeah>. Craig. <laughs> I'm about to tell Craig to leave, so if you want to say goodbye to him, now's your chance. Bye, Craig. <laughs> goodbye, Thank you, Craig. Craig. Thank you, Craig. You're Good wonderful. Beach. Goodbye. <laughs>